0: Welcome to Reasonably Fit, the podcast where we'll teach you everything you need to know about health and fitness, but in a much more reasonable way than you might be used to.
1: Think about us as your friendly fitness experts, but we're chill about it.
0: Hello and welcome. welcome. Episode 13, lucky number 13. We're just lucky to be here right now.
1: <laughs> I, I did end up looking up if there were 12 slices of pizza in every pie after last episode. Because as much as I'm not, I want to <laughs> think that I'm finally not as gullible as I used to be. I still always have, the in, my, in the back of my mind, I'm like... But are there twelve slices? You put of up pizza?
0: such a strong front. You're like, there are not. I know your ways. I know your tricks, and you're quickly like typing in the background, like, are there twelve slices? My, my like...
1: Google search history is just all the lies that Jason has told me. Um, it's actually eight, or eight I mean, slices. not in every. There is no universal law like you had claimed, okay, um, yeah, yeah. but in a standard large pizza, eight slices. So it should be eight. Okay. Missed opportunity for episode eight.
0: All right. Well, next time, I have to think of something for episode fourteen. But anyway, we are excited. We're going on a like a little bit of a weekend getaway to um, upstate New York. Mm-hmm. We're going to be staying in some cabins. We're going to be with the kids. We're going to be with a couple of our best friends who also have kids. And they're going to be with their family. I think it's like their family, I don't know. Do they just rent it out every year or is like do they I own it? I have
1: no idea. I think they own it. I think someone in their family owns it and there's like multiple different cabins within walking distance of each other. Yeah. Um, so I think we're in like our family's like in a cabin and yeah. then their family's in a cabin. I have no idea. We've never been. We've seen every year we see them go and there's a lake and there's boats and hiking and it looks like a blast. So we, yeah. got, we got the special invite this year. We're very pumped to go. It's
0: the difference between our generation and probably future generations with... Previous generations. The previous generations would know every single detail or like <laughs> just let us know what to bring and we'll show up and whatever happens, happens. Give us
1: the address, we'll type it into Google Maps, we'll be good. <laughs> um,
0: but we are excited. I'm not particularly a fan of the outdoors. I hate bugs. I hate just kind of feeling generally dirty. <laughs> and this is sort of like not in my comfort zone, but. Um, I know the kids are going to have a blast. It's going to be just a cool time. The weather should be awesome as well. Um, so it should be great.
1: Yeah. And it's our longest trip away in years. I mean...
0: Yeah, actually. We're going to Definitely be... before... I mean, definitely before the pandemic, yeah, right? So yeah. before 2020, um, especially with all the kids. So it should be... It should be... First of all, it should be stressful getting there <laughs> and getting back because it's going to be a five-hour trip. But once, once we're there, it should, be, it should be fun.
1: Yeah. And at least we're going. It's five hours. But then we're going to be there for like five days. Yes. So it feels like... A little more uh, worth it. Definitely
0: more worth it. Yeah, yeah, we've only done like sort of like a one or two day little trips to like the Cape and stuff like that. So we're, we're excited for our first like extended stay somewhere.
1: Yeah, I've heard that parents don't call vacations vacations anymore. They call them like parenting in a different location. It's <laughs> <laughs> very
0: true. Very true. <laughs> because
1: it doesn't exactly feel like a luxurious vacation. But I mean, the just watching the kids and having another set of kids there yeah. is like life-changing. So great. Because then we can, especially because Kendrick and his little friend, Calvin, they're the same age and they just have a blast together. A while, so so well. we can literally just be like, go have a blast and we're going to sit here in our chairs. I mean you know, for the most part, (laughs) it probably won't be that easy, but there will be moments at least whereas with us right now, because our kids are so different, such different ages, they don't, they can't really play with each other yet. So if we went on a vacation, just the four of us, it really would be like just parenting somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. And
0: because it's almost like one of us has to take each kid and entertain them as much as possible. So it's like, we're rarely ever spending time together collectively. So yeah, it is. Yeah. Parenting in a different location. It's a Good way to put it.
1: <laughs> but this should be this should be a great time. I'm very excited. I don't mind the outdoors. I don't mind getting dirty. So I can do all the... Uh,
0: but you like the outdoors. Or have you grown to not like it as much? I thought you like love the outdoors. I do. Camping. I don't know why I
1: said I don't mind it. I just meant like in contrast to you. Like yeah, you're yeah. the one who's like, I hate the outdoors.
0: I hate the outdoors. I hate bugs. One of my favorite especially.
1: memories early on in our relationship, or I mean, just our friendship. We all went on a camping trip in college. It was in the summer, probably summer after freshman year. Yeah. And... We went, it was like probably 15 of us, and we went on this camping trip, and it was real camping like tents and sleeping bags and nothing else. Sleeping on the floor, and- yeah. We were around the fire doing s'mores, and Jason had a thing of bug spray, and you were just spraying bugs in the air. You weren't spraying the bug spray on yourself. You were just trying to like attack the bugs around you with the bug spray. It was like the, my favorite visual.
0: <laughs> it's like I had a holster around my belly. Every, every time a bug would come by, I would just like.
1: <laughs> it was outrageous and probably a big waste of uh, bug, bug spray. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the bugs are repelled against each other.
1: <laughs> but anyway. We'll uh, we'll report back next week on how the trip goes because we are going to be coming back on Wednesday Wednesday. and recording the next day. So we'll be fresh off of our our trip and probably with lots of stories to tell.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, cool. So we are going to talk about training around injuries today. This was, we did an Instagram Q&A poll um, on our stories and this was, I mean, probably 20% of the questions were revolving around how to work around injuries, how to train around injuries, which I really liked because I think, let's say the previous 10 years and prior to that point, the sort of narrative around injuries was always just rest, right? It's just rest, you do ice, you do compression, elevation, you don't move things. But a lot of the questions were basically implying that they wanted to do things. They just wanted to do things in a safe way that wouldn't set them back. And it's a much more proactive approach that is going to yield better results than just not moving at all.
1: Yeah, and that's been a shift in the way that injuries are talked about just from like the physical therapists that we know and chiropractors that we know. They're all much more now. I mean, they changed the RICE acronym that you were just mentioning, which was REST, ICE, Compression, Elevation to MICE, which was Movement, ICE, Compression, Elevation. Now they're even moving away from ICE. Yeah. So I don't know if there's any acronym (laughs) anymore. just move. Move, (laughs) mm (laughs) Just move. (laughs) Um, Move in ways that are safe. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, because that really is it is possible to continue to move, to continue to train in ways that not only work around your injury but also can help to speed along your recovery as well.
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, it's nearly going to be impossible. No matter how impeccable your program is, no matter how impeccable your movement quality is, you are bound to tweak something, get aches, aches and pains, um, unexpectedly, like break a bone. Like something is going to pop up that's going to impact your training and. You might as well be prepared for when that happens.
1: Yeah. Or if you're listening and you're currently injured, this will hopefully help you out in this moment right now.
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, I think the the thing that we want to get across is injuries in any shape or form are super annoying, super frustrating, super aggravating, especially if you've been on a roll with your training. It's like there's nothing worse. It's to just be like, oh, now I'm just like the next four to six weeks are kind of a big bummer. Yeah. Yeah. It
1: feels mentally very
0: sad. (laughs) But having said that, the quicker that you can sort of get out of the mindset of thinking about all the things that you can't do anymore and switch it to all the things that you can do, the quicker your recovery process is going to be. Because the more you move, the more blood flow you're getting, the more you're strengthening your tendons, your ligaments, your nervous system is getting um, you know, more uh, strengthened and just things are... Happening (laughs) in a productive and beneficial way when you think about all the things you can't do You start to go into these like negative thought spirals and the less and less you want to move and there's also been more research around this topic where The more you think about the things that you can't do and the more you think about the things that provoke pain You're going to have pain at the forefront of your mind and when you are consistently thinking about pain well more pain is going to be brought on. (laughs) It's just going to be top of mind for you. So the more you think about kind of battling around that and training around that and not necessarily thinking about what you can't do and thinking about all the things you can do, it starts to be much more of a productive cycle.
1: Yeah, for sure. Now, in the context of today's discussion, we're going to be talking about two different types of injuries. We have acute injuries and we have chronic injuries. So if somebody comes to us and says, how do I work around? I, I broke my foot how do I work around that that's an acute injury they have something pretty intense in one area of their body that is going to heal with like a cast and with fully resting that area in you know anywhere from three to eight weeks a chronic injury is something that someone's dealing with, like, I always have lower back pain whenever I do this movement, or my knees are always bothering me, or I have ankle discomfort every time I walk up the stairs, things like that, that are consistently showing up in somebody's life, whether it's in their training or just in their everyday life, that is l- more long-term.
0: Yeah. And these are going to be two very different approaches in how we're going to sort of talk about how to work around these sort of injuries. Um Other sorts of acute injuries are like if you pull a hamstring or you pull a calf or you sort of get like that weird you know, crick in your neck when you can't turn your head uh, after you had a funny night's uh, sleep, like just like any little thing that pops up that is going to be a short term thing that is going to be more of an acute situation. And Lauren actually has a story of acute, an acute injury that she had.
1: Yeah, I have a lot of experience with training around acute injuries because I was a gymnast as a lot of, you know, who listen to the podcast and I had I was the gymnast who was always breaking things. <laughs> I had many injuries throughout my career. Um, one of the ones I, this isn't the one you're expecting me to talk about, but one of the first times I really learned about the power of training o- through an acute injury was I actually broke both of my feet. Um so I had double casts on my legs. So a cast all the way up to my right below my knees on both feet. I was You have a, to
0: post this picture on the stories. I have yeah. some
1: pictures. I'll put them on the story on our stories. Um and I was in those casts for like I think a couple months. And then I had moon boots, like those huge boots after that. Like it was a thing. And, but I was so invested in gymnastics. I was like, I have to keep going to practice. Like, I'm just going to go to practice and see what I can do. And at that time I was like, literally the only thing I can do are headstands and handstands. Like that's pretty much it. And so I went every, I went to every single practice and did handstands for hours, like literally hours. I was yeah. just like, this is what I can do, and I can do And they were weighted handstands because I had casts on my feet. And fast forward to a year later, I was finally rehabbed. I was back competing and I had we had a meet and it was I actually did awful and it was I was still recovering from my injury. So I was like my vault was horrible. That was the event that I really injured my feet. It was I think I balked, which is like you run up to it and then you actually Mm. don't do it. Um, So I just remember being super bummed about how the whole meet went. And at the end, there was always this like long lull between finishing the competition and going to the award ceremony because at the time nothing was automated. It was all by hand. So the judges are like sitting there adding up everybody's scores probably with a calculator and it took forever. And so they were trying to give us something to do that was fun in the interim. And they were like, all right, we're going to do a handstand contest. So every team is going to compete against each other. And then one representative from every team will go to the middle and they'll all compete against each other. And whoever wins is like the New England handstand champion because it was like a big New England meet. And I was like, I've literally been training for this for the last year. I was like, oh, my God, this is my chance. And so we went up against our own team. I won. We went up and then I was... My team was the last team to go and then we had to go right into the full competition so I was like dying already. Anyway, long story short, I won the handstand competition and I was the New England handstand champion.
0: I think to this day that is like the mo- your most proudest physical achievement. <laughs>
1: Actually, my mom cleared out my room and like growing up, like the house I grew up in and I had trophies and medals everywhere. And she was like, this is outrageous. Like we're going to put it all up in the attic. And she was like, let's keep one just for fun. And I chose the handstand champion trophy. I had like a second place state championship trophy. I was like, handstand champion, 100%. I
0: have yet to see you lose in a handstand competition. I mean, you've been challenged by like movement experts. You've been challenged by CrossFitters, former gymnasts, former cheerleaders, like, and it's not even close. You are (laughs) always just like, you get into this sort of zone and you just lock in and it's just, there's just no chance. And I still haven't seen you lose one of those. Now, the funny thing is if you're ever around Lauren in an open space, whether it's a field or it's just like, like gym flooring, she is always itching to get on her hands. And I can see her, like, if it's, like, sort of an inappropriate time to just <laughs> randomly bust out into a handstand, she's sort of kind of, like, she's got her feet staggered. And she's, like, kind of, like, rocking forward and back. And, like, she's smiling. And her hands are kind of by her sides. It's just, like, it's a really funny thing. <laughs> and then, like, when the crowd clears or whenever there's a moment, she's, like, into a handstand and she pops up into her handstand it's it's very funny <laughs> that's
1: so true that's actually so funny that you have that visual in your head because i have that feeling in my body like <laughs> i didn't know that you could stand anxiety it. <laughs> but anyway all of that story to say i would never have had any of those experiences if it weren't for that injury and mm-hmm. for being like you know what this kind of stinks but also I have a chance to just work on something else and try to become better at something else and it really spiraled into something that is still something I love today and so there is so much opportunity when you have an acute injury to set special goals around something completely separate from that area of your body
0: yeah the audience is definitely like okay if I break both of my legs I'll just do (laughs) handstands all day okay perfect got it got it we're done (laughs) So relatable. End
1: of, end of episode. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you a better example. Yeah. So I have a more recent Lauren's example. Lauren's gone through a lot of injuries, by the way. Yes, I have. Um, more recent example is I broke my hand playing football. I have lots of broken bone injuries stories. Um, so this was only, I don't know, six years ago, maybe. And we were playing flag football. I dove for somebody's flag, just landed really weird, popped up. I was like, my hand is 100% broken. <laughs> we went to the hospital.
0: Meanwhile, all of our friends are like, it's definitely not broken. Our doctor friend is like, I don't know. I don't think it's broken. Yeah, you we play have a friend it. who's
1: a literal doctor who looked at it. He's like, it looks okay. I think you're fine. I was like, oh, it's okay. It's primary care. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great doctor, I promise. Um, but I mean, you can't actually see. Like, it was a weird part of my hand. You yeah, would never it be able was. to know. Um, but we went in to get right, x-rays, confirmed broken hand in a cast for six weeks. So I was like, okay, this is now going to impact my training. I actually mentioned this in a previous episode because I was training for the Iron Maiden at oh, the time. Yeah. So I was trying to do this strong first which is kettlebell certification challenge of being able to do a pull-up, an overhead press and a pistol squat with a 24 kilogram kettlebell. Um, I was really close to being able to do that. And obviously that got completely derailed, especially the pull-up obviously couldn't do uh, (laughs) a one arm -arm pull-up with 56 power 50, however many pounds strapped onto my body. So I was like, okay, I'm going to set an adjacent goal, like something that is kind of in the same, in a similar realm, but, allows me to still train and, and feel like I can meet, meet a goal and be excited to train that doesn't require my right hand. And so I decided on trying to complete a snatch test, which is also a strong first um, accomplishment where you do 100 kettlebell snatches in under five minutes. And I set a goal to be able to do it on just my left arm, which is usually you can split it up however you want. And they usually do about 50-50. So it was basically doubling up on one side. Um, And I was like, in six weeks, I think if I really train hard for this, I think I can do it. And by week six, like the week before I got my cast off, I was able to do it.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was definitely one of your proudest achievements for sure. Yeah. Um, Now, throughout that process, I mean, obviously you had that sort of side goal, but you also completely changed up the, your entire program that you're on at the time, right? Do you want to talk about maybe some of the strategies that you use to sort of work around your, your broken wrist?
1: Yes. So, so because it was my hand, I had a cast on my right side. I had to figure out how to load lower body movements in a way that was still safe for my hand. Right. So I could, because I was like, okay, my lower half is fine. So originally you're like, okay, just train lower body. But then it's like, Well, how do I – I can't do deadlifts because I can't hold on to the bar. I can't really do back squats because I can't hold on to the bar. So then trying to figure out what I can use, what pieces of equipment I can use to still keep me safe. And so what I could do was rack a kettlebell with my left hand. So I could hold a kettlebell or a dumbbell in my left hand and use that as my load. And a lot of times when you're training around an acute injury, you can get really nervous about um, creating imbalances, right? So I could have easily been like, well, I can't do that because then I'm – like getting so much on my left side, what if that creates this imbalance where I'm only holding weight on that side? And the reality is that this is short term and there's research out that says that when you train one side of your body, there's like a 30%, what is it? It's like 30% strength gain on the other side without even training the other side. Yeah, yeah.
0: Just because of like just your neural strength gains, your core strength gains, like just because you train one side of your body, the other side does seem to experience some benefit from that.
1: Yeah. So I wasn't super, I first of all, let go of the concern or the fear around creating imbalances because I knew this was going to be short term. So I did things where I was just holding weight on my left side. So if I was doing lunges, I could hold that weight down, um, just down next to my body. Or if I was doing squats, I could hold it up racked in the, in the rack position. Um, I also use a safety bar. I remember using that. So the bar was just resting on top of my shoulders to do back squats.
0: You did zurchers?
1: Zurchers. Oh, yeah, that's right. Zurchers for squats. So
0: zurchers are basically where you have the barbell in the crook of both elbows. And it seems painful, but you just wrapped like a towel or put a mat around the bar. Yeah. And you held that in place while you did your uh, your front squats basically yeah. in a zurcher hold um yeah you did a lot
1: and also just a lot of body weight training for my lower body and for my core just being able to do just choosing things that i could do that didn't even require any load but still were challenging for me
0: yeah and one of our um friends who's a strength coach his name is tony Gentlecore, he had this sort of phrase of find your trainable menu and so he had this like whole chart maybe we can link it in the show notes where it's like okay if you have a right broken wrist you still can do everything you can do on your left arm. You have your legs. You have your core. There's still basically 75% of your body is still intact. So there's still ways that you can find your, a way to train. Yeah. If your left leg is broken or has a hamstring pull or something, you still have your right leg. You still have both arms. You still have your core. You still have your lower back and back strength. So there's plenty of things that you can do to find ways to continue to get a training effect on your body and still stay current with the program um, that's also going to help out whatever injured area is affected.
1: Yeah, I love that. The trainable menu is a perfect way of putting it. And you can, if you're currently going through an acute injury, you can just start writing down, like, what exercises can you do for your upper body with a broken wrist? And you can figure out, like, okay, I can still do uh, an overhead press with my, if your broken hand is your right side, I can still do an upper... An overhead press with my left side. I can still do bicep curls with my left arm. I can still do a lateral raise. Like you can do all these things with that other side and then go to your lower body. Okay, I can do squats and then figure out how you can load that. I can do uh, hamstring curls without using my upper body. So just start listing out the exercises you can do. And then from there, you can go into how to put that together in a program where you're trying to still aim for some balance in terms of the types of movements you're doing. So trying to get a hinge, a, a squat, a lunge, a push, a pull in the ways that you can. Around your injury.
0: Yeah. And going back to what you talked about with people getting afraid of an imbalance or an asymmetry, um, yeah, the injury is going to be short term. And then you also have to look at it in the context of your overall training. If you are going to train for another 20 years, like this six to eight weeks or whatever it's going to be, is going to be a drop in the bucket. Those imbalances are going to iron themselves out as long as you follow a, you know, a reasonable strength training program go moving forward. But it's a very long stretch of time and those imbalances will always sort of kind of become unbalanced.
1: Yeah. I, I, you'd so much rather get some sort of stimulus for your body than do nothing for six weeks. Totally. Right. So it's like, yes, maybe you're, you're going to see like a slight difference in your bicep strength and your pressing strength for a little bit, but like that's okay. I'd still take that over take that zero movement whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: And also just the fact that you're able to continue going, continue to get the momentum going as opposed to completely stopping for the six to eight weeks and then trying to start back up. That's going to be so much harder, so much more difficult to mentally and physically go through as opposed to just finding things that you can do rather than not doing things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now moving on to chronic injuries. So chronic injuries like Lauren talked about before are more Chronic. Yeah. There are longer term things that you're experiencing that don't just go away in four to six weeks and you never think about it again. There are things that are just nagging. And oftentimes there are knees, their are elbows, there are shoulders, their are lower back, their are your feet. Like There are things that I'm sure you're even thinking about right now where it is chronically affecting you. And chronic injuries have a much more different approach because you have to be more understanding that it is a long term thing. And there's a possibility that it's going to always be there. But it's hopefully we can give you some strategies and better understanding of how these things work so that when they do pop up, you're not as frustrated and a setback.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because with acute injuries, you kind of have this mindset of, you know, you're going to go through the fully healing it process. Then you're going to go through maybe a little bit of rehab and then you're going to be good to go eventually. Like that's probably, I mean some injuries cause some acute injuries cause some chronic pain down the road, right? Like sometimes if you break a bone, you might have some like arthritis in that area or something so that, but then that changes the way that you work around that injury. But for the most part, the acute injury is really this very short term experience. Chronic injuries are just going to be showing up in your life more frequently and it's just going to take yeah a much different mindset and approach to, to managing it.
0: Yeah. And with chronic injuries, it's like when you do get pain-free, it's not like suddenly you are strong and you have full function in, in that area. You really have to train to get those qualities back. And I'll talk to you guys about that in a second but first i want to talk to you about a quick little story from my end with my chronic injury and it has to do with my knees so basically i think this was i don't know maybe in like 2014 or so i wanted to really improve my jumping ability i wanted to be able to dunk and i wanted to just have a lot of power and explosiveness because i was playing a lot of sports at that time and one of the things that i was reading up on was how depth jumps were very beneficial in terms of improving your overall power. Now depth jumps are where you jump off of a box or a bench or some sort of elevated surface, you land on the floor and you quickly jump up off of the floor. So there's a ton of force and stress going into your body. Now knowing what I know now, I would start off with maybe three sets of three jumps with plenty of rest in the middle. And then maybe work my way up to three sets of four, three sets of five and like just slowly progress. At the time, I was like, I don't know, 23 years old. I felt like I was invincible. And I was doing sets of eight to 10 jumps, minimal rest, just knocking them out, probably five or six sets. I'm like, I want to be able to dunk. I want to be able to be as explosive as possible, as quickly as possible. And sure enough, within a couple of weeks, my knees were feeling really tender and Sure enough, I decide to continue the jumping program. (laughs) I continue to play aggressive sports. I was playing three to four football games a weekend at that point. I was just very active. And plus, I was still doing a lot of my lower body strengthening. And so over time, and I don't see a physical therapist or any sort of medical professional at the time. And so what happened was my tendonitis, which is a short-term thing that is just some inflammation in your joints or your tendons, turned into tendinosis, which is where there's actual damage to the tendon that needs to be repaired. You can't just like rest or like kind of work around it to heal it. You actually have to do things to get it back to full function. And so it got to a point where like walking up and downstairs was really excruciating. Sitting in an airplane or sitting in a driver's seat for too long in, in my car was excruciating. It was just like really bad. And so it got to a point where I finally did end up going to see a physical therapist and they talked to me about this sort of plan. And what you want to think of with chronic injuries is, first and foremost, you want to avoid provoking the area and having it cause pain initially. So for me, for my knee injury, what the physical therapist had me do were exercises where my knee was stacked directly above my ankle. So he wanted me to really avoid anything that was knees over toes, Anything that required my shin to be angled forward, and he also wanted me to avoid like just explosive plyometric type of movements. And so what I did were exercises like Romanian deadlifts, where my shins are vertical, but I'm still performing a deadlift pattern. Um, hip thrusts, where my uh, where I'm uh, glute bridging up a barbell, um, single leg deadlifts. Squats where where I really shift my weight back and let my torso lean forward, so it turns into more of like a almost like a deadlifty squat pattern. Split squats and lunges where my knee was uh, where my shin was perfectly vertical. So basically everything I'm doing was still strengthening my lower body, but in a way where um, I wasn't provoking any pain. And now the next step in the progression was to actually start to slowly get my knees closer to being over my toes, not fully jumping into full knees over toes, but getting closer to that point. And so what I would do is regular deadlifts off the floor, split squats and lunges where my knees were slightly more forward than they were a couple months ago, squats where my knees were angled slightly more forward. And then after that progression, he got me going into more of a full knees over toes program. And basically, he slowly got me back to a point or knees over toes didn't hurt. And then we slowly started to introduce um, plyometric type movements and jumps and stuff like that. And so it was a very slow reintroduction for all these different movements. And this can be applied to really any joint or any muscle group, like your shoulders. Your shoulders, a lot of people have trouble when they get their arms fully overhead. And so you can find things that don't provoke pain that still work within your overall training regimen. And so that could mean doing things where your arms are completely by your side. That's going to be the opposite of arms overhead. So you can do things like farmer carries. You can do things like deadlifts or trap bar deadlifts. You can do heavy lunges, Bulgarian split squats, things where your arms are by your side. And then slowly over time, your arms can go closer to maybe your shoulder level. That could be push-ups or rows or face pulls. Things along that nature, front planks, and then slowly you can bring them further overhead. So an angled barbell press, like a landmine press, um, inclined dumbbell bench press, all these sorts of things. And then finally, you can go overhead into your overhead presses, military presses, and all that sort of stuff. So we're just slowly exposing your body from a totally non-provocative position to a provocative position. And that's the general sort of gist of all this.
1: I think that it's really important to hear that because I think a lot of people who have chronic injuries think I always need to train, like if they have knee pain, it's like I always need to train with my knees behind my toes. That's how Mm. I don't feel pain. And so I'm always going to stay there. But if that person then wants to go play soccer or football or anything where inevitably their knees are going to have to go past their toes, that is going to then their body is going to be so unprepared for that, right? right? And so yeah. the goal is not to always train in this perfectly safe environment where you know you'll never experience any discomfort whatsoever because that doesn't actually prepare you for real real life. Right. So the goal is actually to continue that it's like graded exposure, right? Just to continue to gradually expose yourself to a little bit more and a little bit more until you are comfortable in a place where... Your knees are going all the way over your toes, your arms are going all the way over your head, but we don't need to always stay in that perfectly safe zone in our training.
0: Yeah, exactly. And now there's also like for those of you who have lower back pain and squats and deadlifts, like you just can't do it. Your medical professionals like, I don't want you to do squats and deadlifts. That is loading a position where your spine and torso are leaning forward, right? But you can still really work the legs in a very challenging way, but keeping your torso upright. You can can still have a barbell on your back and do barbell split squats with a very upright torso. Most likely you can hold two heavy dumbbells by your sides doing reverse lunges and Bulgarian split squats. So it's always thinking about ways in which you can still really challenge yourself because that feels fulfilling and empowering, um, but in ways that are safe for whatever affected joint that you have. And so if you have back pain, that's one area that you can kind of, uh, kind of, you, one one area of your program that you can adjust to make sure that you're still getting a train effect in your legs. Now, one of the frustrating things about chronic injuries is that flare-ups, setbacks, and just overall obstacles are going to pop up no matter how perfect the program or training plan is going to be because it, they're just finicky by nature. And so this could mean that you are going through this sort of progression that we're talking about from a non-provocative position all the way up to a provocative position. And there's going to be at some point in your training where maybe you push a little bit too far too fast, or maybe you add load too quickly and you experience a sharp flare-up of pain. The moment that happens, it's almost like you get so angry Mm. and upset and frustrated because you're like, I've been holding myself back for the last six weeks. I've been doing everything my PT's been saying. I've been doing everything in the Reasonably Fit podcast. (laughs) And I still got this flare-up. And you start to like unravel at the seams of it. I've totally been there as well. And the thing you have to remind yourself about is when you have these flare-ups, all it is they're just little warning signs. Your body's like, hey, that was a little bit too fast, a little bit too quick for me. I need you to back off a little bit. I'm going to give you this warning sign and take the next week and a half easy and we'll be back to our regular scheduled program Mm -hmm. after that. And so you just have to remind yourself your body's, the pain is just your body's way of telling you, hey, you're doing a little bit too much. All you need to do is back off. And so let's say you're in week six of your training program, and on week seven, you experience a little bit of pain. All you need to do is take a little bit of rest and dial back, and maybe you start back up at like week four, or week five, and then regroup and progress again. And it's not going to be linear progress. It's going to be this sort of like stair-stepping progress where you go up a few steps, then you pause, maybe you come down a step. And then you go back up a few steps and sort of this sort of like up and down motion that is still linear, but it's not going to be a perfectly uh, straight line.
1: Yeah, If you have been an athlete and you've worked with sort of like a hardcore coach in the past, it's so easy to fall into the mindset of the like, no pain, no gain, pushing through pain is, I mean, I remember that was one of the things that I got praised for the most growing up was like, I could push through pain. Mm. <laughs> like I would finish floor in tears because I was in so much pain, oh my but and my coaches would be like, great job, way to push through that instead of like, maybe you shouldn't be competing today. Like yeah. maybe you should <laughs> take this day off. But I, I know a lot of people who, who have worked probably with coaches where that was a a point of pride for them was to be able to push through pain. So when you feel that little like hint from your body, it can be very easy to ignore it or to like take it as a challenge and be like no no no, I'm stronger than this, like I got this. So it it can be really counterintuitive or not not in line with your like natural instincts to to listen to that and to actually take a step back, especially if you've ever had that experience of being proud of being able to push through pain.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now this also goes for runners. We've had so many runners in the past where they'll say stuff like, oh, my knees don't bother me until I get like two miles in or whatever distance that they have set. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that your body and your joints just aren't, prepared for the amount of impact that happens after that two mile point. And what people end up doing is they progress too quickly in their training because they're like, oh, well, before this injury, I could do five miles, no problem. So once they're in the clear for two, two and a half miles, they're like, oh, let me just jump back up to five miles. But what you want to think about for chronic injuries is think about slowly increasing your loads by no more than 10 to 20% from week to week. And so if you're running two miles and that feels good, then that probably means that you can go up to 2.4 miles the following week and slowly scale up that way. And I know a lot of people think about when they're runners, they think about it in just whole numbers. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I I can run four miles now. I can run five miles now. But just think about that 10 to 20% and that will help to keep you from overdoing it and having those flare-ups and having those setbacks and then trying to push through the pain, and then having an even deeper setback, and then go back into this whole cycle and start back from square one.
1: Yeah, so just to sort of bring it all together, recap a little bit, we have the two types of injuries that you could be working around, acute and chronic. Acute is more short-term, chronic as the name suggests is more long-term. And with acute injuries, it's more about finding the movements that you can do without using the limb or body part that is injured. And Going, like training hard, setting a goal, doing things that feel exciting to you to keep you motivated to keep training while you have to rest that specific area of your body. Chronic injuries, working around that is a little bit more about gradual graded exposure to different ranges of motion over a longer period of time and making sure that you're keeping that balance of training hard, but also not pushing into pain. You know, like being aware of moments of discomfort, using those clues from your body as as information to either step back a little bit or to keep progressing forward. Um, but it's a little bit more of a long-term balancing act so whether you have an acute injury right now or a chronic injury that you are either currently dealing with or have dealt with in the past or are going to deal with in the future hopefully this just gives you a little bit more of a plan of action a little more confidence and excitement around being able to continue to train because like you were saying at the beginning jason this is it can be so frustrating disheartening you know annoying when injuries (laughs) pop up and it can be very easy to fall into a more woe is me which is you know have that moment, have that what was the moment, but then try to like turn it around as quickly as you can because there are so many opportunities. And yeah. you could become a handstand champion. You never know. <laughs> you just never know.
0: Yeah, and just also know that yeah, we have you have had tons of acute injuries along the way. I've been dealing with chronic knee injuries for a long period of time and it's you can be still get very consistent with your program and still get very fit um amidst all these injuries and you don't have to feel like so alone and isolated because it can feel like oh I can't do anything oh I can't go on a hike when my friends told asked me to because of my stupid knee injury and like (laughs) just things like that so hopefully it gives you a little bit more empowerment and a little bit more uh feeling like you're in control yeah all right cool so I think that's about all we have for today if you could leave us a rating or review we've been reading every single one it's been awesome to see because we don't really get any sort of other feedback like we do on instagram or on tiktok we're also on tiktok by oh. the way um but that would be great and otherwise i think that's all
1: Yeah, make sure that you follow us at ReasonablyFitPod on Instagram. That is where we get a lot of the ideas for future episodes. So if you have ideas, send us a DM or comment in one of the posts on there so that we can see them because we definitely want to give you all what you are interested in. So hopefully this one today answers some questions for those of you who wanted to hear about training around injuries. And we're excited to bring you a fresh new episode after our Roughing It Camping Outdoor Adventure Next week. <laughs>
0: Boom. Until next time. Sweat out. Happiness and